Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49er fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh. I'm here with my dad, Jared, and Grandpa Mike, and we are a 49ers family. All right. Well, how about them Niners, man? Bang, bang, Niner gang. I it couldn't have been a better game. I can't wait to break it down and even preview the Carolina Panthers game. Um, but I mean, my first thought, and I shared this last week, and I shared it on with many of my other Niners friends that we were texting before this game, because it was such a big game. The difference of being one and three versus being two and two atop the division is a big difference. And I'm so, so, so excited and glad, happy, stoked, every single adjective that the Niners came out, showed the defending champions that you know, we're a force to be reckoned with um, and that we can compete, compete with the best of them. So what a good, what a game. Grandpa, how are you feeling? I feel terrific, Josh. Last week I was really down on the dumps. Um, but after, I mean, I keep telling myself we played the world champions and we just dominated them. Um, the defense, the 49er defense, I've, been a fan like you said since 1949 that's 73 years for those of you that don't have a calculator handy um and while it's early this i think is this is the best defense the 49ers have ever had um and they've had some good ones especially during the ronnie lot years but this i mean they are suffocating so you know matthew stafford um he I, the pressure we put on him was immense. There were, you know, he threw 48 passes on 36 of those. He, he was pressured. And there were seven sacks, two forced turnovers, um, a pick six, and we're now the number one rated defense. I mean, the Rams were down in the red zone three times and got three field goals. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just there's so many things I my mind is spinning um so the seven sacks totaled 54 yards the Rams got 57 yards rushing so it neutralized their whole rushing game which they they don't have one and they they have they have problems they've got offensive line problems and they don't have a running game and they've really got one receiver yeah uh, so anyway um I am just stoked and I'm very excited. I just, you know, we've got to keep this up. And now yeah. we have two road games and we they're winnable and we should win those. And, you know, but anyway, the um, great performance. Love it. Dad, how are you feeling? Yeah, I feel good. It was uh, nice to see the Niners do what they do well. And that's play uh, just a smothering defense, you know, at the line the linebacker position and the DBs. I mean, just on all levels, um, we just put tremendous pressure on the Rams. Um, and uh, 
Uh, we struggled. I still feel we struggled to move the ball a little bit offensively. We had we were a big play team, you know, on this in this uh, game. Um, but we got the ball in the end zone, put some points on the board. Um, defense showed up big time. Uh, we just have a lot of upside. I mean, we're getting things moving, so I'm excited. I saw um, Jimmy G kind of just get a little more confident, just moving the ball quickly, getting rid of the ball quickly. I guess. Uh, I heard some stat that he is like 2.4 seconds was his average, you know, release, uh, get rid of the ball. And that's, um, that's where we want him to be, you know? Um, so, uh, there's a lot of upside. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what they do the rest of the season, but, uh, we have tremendous potential and the number one defense in the NFL. That's pretty, pretty cool. So let's break down the box score a little bit. Um, you guys are throwing out some stats and, I mean, box score tells uh, a lot about the game. Um, one thing that I think is is really just amazing, though, is uh, you know, really Jimmy G did have an efficient night. It slowed down a little bit in the in the second half, uh, but you know, ended up um, you know thrown for two hundred thirty nine yards. Not not terrible, not amazing, but you know, kept us in the game. Uh, there's been some analytics around the score. And if you can score 24 points, it usually means that you have a, a you're likely to win. So you have a greater than 50% chance of winning. And we got to that 24 point mark, which is good. Um, but of those 20, 239 passing yards of Jimmy G, fast, the most fascinating part is that 80% of that came after the catch. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Yak Bros with Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and what they do with the ball after the catch. And that really, which is amazing. And it plays really well to Jimmy's strength of getting the ball out quick, like you just said, Dad. Um, so that was on full display, getting the ball out quick, get it to the playmakers, everything we've been talking about and let them do their thing. Uh, so I, I love that stat. 80% of passing yards came after the catch. What other stats jump out at you, Grandpa? Well, a couple. Um, so Stafford threw the ball 48 times. He was 32 for 48 for 200 yards. They averaged per pass 3.6 yards. I mean, just nothing. You know, you could complete three passes and not get a first down. Um, so they were all short ones. Um, Cooper Cup is tough, man. He's the, he's the real deal. I. I mean, as much as I am a Niner fan, I respect that guy. Um, even Kyle Shanahan had said that he 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 loves watching that guy play because he's the only guy that they have. We were double teaming him half the time. He still ends up with 122 yards receiving. Like what the heck? He gets open. I it drives me nuts. It's like okay, they're going to go to Cooper Cup. You know that, and sure enough, first down. <clears throat> but anyway, um, yeah, they threw balls in windows in a six inch window i mean there's a guy all over cup if the ball goes to a man that's shadowing him is on him cup will catch that ball i mean he goes forward to the ball i mean there were throws i thought how did he just catch that ball we were draping all over that guy and he makes it he's like a magician and yeah he is he is a stud he is everything he's reported to be and uh he proved it but they're their only score remember he had seven or four of their seven touchdowns or over 50 percent of the touchdowns he scored zero touchdowns so we shut him down yeah. 
they don't they don't put points on the board, and that's what happened. Yeah, and where did he go to college? Eastern Washington. Right, just this little college, Eastern Washington, and they found him. Um, yeah, he's he's the real deal. Um, it's fun. Right? Yeah, um, but other than that, I mean, they you know they don't have a second receiver, and it's, it's amazing. These guys won the Super Bowl a couple of months ago, and they now have a lot of holes. So. Yeah, they're in a way the Rams dominated the box score. They held the ball for 34 minutes. We had it for 25. Um, they didn't record a sack. We had seven. Um, and, you know, the rushing yards were average. The passing yards were average. Uh, one thing that Jimmy does, he does have that quick release. He's got the third quickest release in the league. Um, which is phenomenal. That's why you don't get sacked. That's why Brady never gets sacked. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, they just get rid of the ball. Um, what else was I going to say? So, uh, oh, what, what Jimmy does well is he leads the receiver, and that's where the yak yards come in. So, you know, the guy's in full stride and he catches the ball and he does, he, he just keeps going. Um, so, yeah, um, the Rams had 21 first downs. We only had 13. There's an old Bill Walsh um, theory, and he used to say, if you get 20 first downs in a game, you're going to win. So I've never forgotten that, and I've always looked at that. And we, I mean, we, the Rams had 21, we had 13, but um, in total yards, we, we dominated 327 to 257 so um yeah it was it was the, the offense has me a little worried um until we get Mitchell back um Wilson uh, um Wilson's run his 32 yard run was timed to 20 miles an hour which is the third fastest this year I don't know how they time these things but um he he went untouched that was beautiful yeah. So anyway, that was a beautiful play. Apparently, I don't know if they've confirmed this with Jimmy G. Apparently he audibled into the coverage, the, the, the blocking scheme on, on that one, that he brought another guy to that left side. Uh, and I mean, yeah, like you said, untouched. He went completely untouched, had a complete lane. And, and he's a fast, he's a fast guy. I mean, we know that Kyle Shanahan likes, fast running backs that can hit the hole and are gone you know, Raheem Moster, Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson are all that same kind of guy right. uh, so super you know that, that was that was awesome I love to see that yeah, yeah. Wilson, Wilson's running hard I really like I, I like everything I see um uh I think he is doing a great job I mean it'd be great to have Mitchell back um when is there a timeline for Mitchell or is do we know anything well not not really they'll you know they said six eight weeks okay okay so okay. they'll update it right like at week six yeah yeah he's gonna practice on whatever date but yeah okay uh, um, looking at the box score for me, the things that stand out, um, just uh, Jimmy G had a had a decent night. I I always look at the passer rating. I always love that. He's uh, I like a hundred or more, you know, and he's at a hundred. You know, Matthew Stafford had 
passer rating of 71. So I love the 100. So he was he got the ball out quick. And that's going to be what the Niners do. Get the ball out quick. Get it into playmakers' hands like a Debo, a Kittle, an Ayuk, um, even Jennings uh, when he's healthy and, and Juszczyk. I mean, we got playmakers and guys that run hard and uh, are going to work hard for us. So it's get it out and let people do their job. Debo Samuel, I mean, he in the interview after the game, he says every time he touches the ball, he's thinking big, uh, like big play. You know, he just he's got it's his strength. I think that's what I think it was. I forget who it, who it was who said it, but his his strength, Debo's strength is his mindset mentality mentality i mean he just thinks big yeah. Yeah. Um, he runs hard and he plays hard so i mean debo had seven targets six receptions 115 yards total um and then he made the big plays you know he averaged 20 yards every time he caught the ball you know mm -hmm. that was his average so um it's all about that quick pace that fits jimmy too jimmy is not a progression quarterback he can't see a deep ball and if there was a guy just picking grass and you know 30 yards deep he's not going to see that he's he has to know where the ball's going to go within two seconds and yep. then Jimmy can do his thing right. so I think uh it's the formula it's starting to form and mm -hmm. um Shanahan is going to call the plays and design it to fit Jimmy's strengths which is a it's it's half the playbook is out just like uh right. You guys had said before so um and yeah. let's talk about that let's talk about that because i think that was a big improvement that we saw from week three to week four was it did seem like there was more synergies between jimmy and kyle that he trusted him a little bit more and played to his strengths a little bit more uh and he, even you know sometimes he was he's back there by himself uh, and I was like, oh gosh, because we know that Jimmy's not good on, you know, about avoiding pressure and, you know, right. making something happen. Uh, but, you know, the throws that he made, the plays that we were running were high percentage um, throws and high percentage plays. And, and I, I now kind of want to talk about what I think are the two biggest plays of the whole entire game. Uh, one is what you just mentioned Debo's running catch for 57 yards unbelievable I think that's going to be shown in the season recap that that's going to go down in Niners history just because what this game means it's against uh against the Rams uh and it's just amazing it, I mean it's truly amazing he ran over Jalen Ramsey made him look like <laughs> just flicking the bug off the windshield type deal uh, didn't slow down at all. It was it was amazing to watch. So I want to get your reactions on that. And then second, of course, we have to talk about that Talano Hufanga pick six. Oh yeah. man, that was so sweet. That was so sweet. Um, what did you What did you guys think about those two plays? Or do you guys disagree? Do you think that there were other, no. other plays that were that were more impactful? Those were the biggies. Yeah, those were those were the the key plays, and just just tilted the whole game in our favor big time. I loved the, the Debo play, obviously, but for many reasons. And at the end of it, just like you mentioned, Josh, um, there, there was uh, Jalen Ramsey, who I called the mouth. You know, he j trash talks everybody. He's very good. But um, 
it, you know, he put his arm out to, on, like on the five yard line to tackle Debo. And I mean, it was, it was laughable and he kind of fell down. He looked terrible. And um, so that just was a sweet part of, of that play. Um, and then my guy, I, I love Bufanga. Um, and to use some of your words, Jared, he's a game changer. Mm -hmm. The guy is so active. I mean, he's running all over the field on every play. He, um, he's just, he's got a nose for the ball. And um, he's the guy that, you know, in the Green Bay game last year, the playoff game, he scored the touchdown on the block punt. He just, you know, he's around the ball. He has a great sense. And he works out with Troy Palomalo. They are now beginning to compare him. And um, Dante Whitner this week, now Dante Whitner's a former 49er safety who's now a commentator locally in San Francisco. And he, he said this week that Bufanga is the best safety in football. I mean, so like it. We've, we've had these fifth round picks. Um, so Hufango was a fifth round pick. George Kittle was a fifth round pick. Um, Greenlaw was a fifth round pick, you know, so, you know, um, wow, we've done so well in the fifth round. That fifth round is treating us well. And mm -hmm. even Greenlaw, which is just killing it too. I mean, yeah, that is just, just awesome. Yeah. yeah. Greenlaw, well, even, go ahead. He, he had like 17 tackles, 15, 17 tackles. I think 17, he led the team. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's playing well. Um, we were down a couple of guys and we haven't missed a beat. So this was a huge game. Like you said, Josh, I mean, going one and three, we'd be two games behind and we haven't really played well. Well, now we've played well and we sent a message to the league that the Niners are here are, are, are the real deal. Yeah, for sure. All right, a couple of questions on that. You know, it, it made me think this week and I saw some commentary on it. Two, two questions, um, somewhat controversial. I want to get your takes. And that's, this is still early in the season, but one of this is, is relative. So would the Niners be 4-0 if they had started Jimmy G week one? I think we would be. I mean, the Chicago game, Chicago did nothing in the first half. And then... There were, they got some breaks in the second half. There was 12 penalties. It was an ugly game um, in terrible conditions, but we should have won that game easily. And with Jimmy, I think we, I think we would have won. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think would be at least three and one put it that way I, I think you would have made the difference and so the the mud ball uh you know game was just so ugly and we had it was at the game we had like 100 yards and penalties and yeah. I mean it just if anything could go wrong it was just it was ugly and we couldn't do even defensively uh well we did fairly well defensively but even our skilled position players you know nobody could have any traction it was kind of like high school team playing a college team in the mud and the high school team wins you know i mean that's what it reminded me of it was it really wasn't a fair shake so yeah 
it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm glad I'm, and I was totally on the, on the Trey Lance train. Um, still am, you know, I hope he comes back and proves everybody wrong and, you know, takes us and leaves us for the next, you know, freaking 17 years, like, like a true franchise QB can do to, to an organization. Um, still hope he's that guy, but it is interesting. Like, and there were a lot of commentary about it that if the Niners want to win now because they have a championship roster, yes. starting Jimmy G is probably the best bet. I don't think the Niners thought that Jimmy G was going to be around to start. So it, you know, everything happens. You got to take it one thing at a time. Uh, but it's just kind of intriguing to think to think about. All right, next question, and we haven't brought him up yet. Well, I guess we kind of did. Uh, but Nick Bosa is playing lights out. Not only is he getting held almost every single play, and the Niners are literally submitting tape to the NFL saying, look at this. He's getting held the whole time. You have to start calling this. Yeah. Um, and we can hope that, that that improves a little bit more. But he is getting home. Six sacks through four games, leads the league. Uh, just, I mean, and then pressures, I, I forget the, the stat on pressures. It's also unbelievable. Is Nick Bosa already the best 49ers pass rusher of all time? Well, I would say it's too early to say that. Um, okay. I think he will be, um, but who comes to mind? Pardon me? Who, if it's not him, who is it? I'm just saying, well, I mean, you, you know, they didn't keep track. They didn't record sacks until 1982. Okay. Okay, so, and the leading 49er sack guy is Cedric Hardman, who played in the 70s, from 70 to 79. He had 112 and a half sacks. Okay, that's the leader. And then Bryant Young is second with 89, and then Haley is 66. Um, so it's, it's Bosa's fourth year. He missed almost a whole year. Yep. Um, and I, I, I think he will be the greatest sack guy in our, in our history. In the league, um, Bruce Smith holds the, the title right now with 200, and Reggie White had 198. So, wow. um, and then there was this other guy, Deacon Jones, who the fans that are listening will wow. remember, the, the older guys, um, Deacon Jones played for the Rams before they were kept track of sacks. And so when they came out all of a sudden and are making a big thing of this, um, he goes, Hey man, I lead the, I blood, I, I have more sacks than anybody. So they went back and went through all his games and he had 173 sacks. So at the time he did, when he made this statement, he did have the most sacks. But later on, Bruce Smith and Reggie White passed him. So I think Bosa will be. It's just, you know, too early to, to yeah. say that. Um, he is, I mean, on every play, he is all out. And he, he puts so much pressure on the line and then the quarterback. And I, I just, a lot of times, I just watch him. It's amazing. Same. I love watching him, especially on replays and stuff. You know, in live, I tend to obviously watch the ball, but any replay, I love watching him because he lines up way outside and he's just so strong, so powerful. He pushed these, these guys back. 
into the quarterback every single play. And yeah. it's not even like there, there's a lot of DNs out there that are all about getting home. And then as soon as the ball gets run or kind of goes by them, they kind of jog it off. That yeah. guy, he he wants to touch the ball carrier, whether it's the quarterback or the running back or whatever, every single play. He's there's multiple times this week, he's literally crawling on the ground just to touch the guy that's down. Like he's yeah. just just hungry. It's it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Well, Trent Williams is, you know said to be the best tackle in football right now. And um, he has commented about Bosa over the last couple of years that this guy is the toughest guy he's ever gone against and it's in practice. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's very special. We had that one year. I feel so um, fortunate to have, do we even have him on the team because he was the second pick after uh, Kylie Murray um, that year. And <clears throat> that's the year, you know, when Jimmy got hurt and we just had a terrible year, everybody got hurt. And so we got, had the second pick in the draft and we picked Nick Bosa and what a wonderful piece. Amazing. And yeah. I, so I think he will, you know, he will be our greatest defender. Um, but it's just kind of early. So Nick Bosa, yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to be one of the greats for sure for the Niners. We had 36 pressures in this last game. I think the Rams had like five pressures. Nick Bosa had 14 of our 36 pressures. He was credited with um, uh, two sacks. He's got six sacks on the on the on the season. He's probably on track to get 20, 20 plus sacks this year. Um, he's a stud and we just, we're just loaded at the line and we got Ofunga at the back. We have Warner and Greenlaw at linebackers. So we just at every tier, our right. defense is putting pressure on the offense. And uh, yeah. that's why we can contend with anyone. And this is potentially a Super Bowl team. If we can move the ball and, um, we're going to do great because we're going to hold teams, you know, under, you know, under 15 points. I mean, right now, I think uh, we're holding teams on average, you know, like I think it's 12 points or less. 11.5. Yeah. 11.5. yeah. So, so that's just huge. I mean, our defense is doing the job. We have to score 20, 24 and it's game over. And we'll give one of those touchdowns to our, our defense. Yeah. And you know, who else has just been, lights out is Mooney Ward. Um, just every game he makes two or three plays that, you know, where they throw a bomb and he just tips it away. Um, he has been a wonderful addition. And um, so we're, uh, yeah, I mean, our defense is solid. Defense is solid. Yeah, honestly, you mentioned it, Grandpa, you know, a lot of great defenses in Niner history with Ronnie Law, even the 2019 year was lights out. I think they carried us kind of through the playoffs, just the way that they were able to just stop the Vikings, stop the Packers. Uh, and we just were able to run the ball and kind of just play that possession game. Um, but where we lacked there, we got exposed uh, sometimes in the secondary. But this this year, our secondary is locked down. I mean, all three levels, we look great on defense, um, which is Really, really fun to watch. All right, any any last points on on the the Rams game? Yeah, one last thing was the difference too, and uh, I heard it on a number of times. I think Lombardi talked about it, was saying um, 
the difference between a great defense and the elite defense is takeaways. And we had a couple of takeaways, I guess. So um, we have to, we have to, that turnover ratio has to be heavily in our favor. Um, and that is, if we can start uh, going after that ball and get some takeaways, that just takes us to a whole nother level. I mean, in this last game, the Rams had the ball for like 36 minutes. You know, they had all those, they had 73 plays. We had like 45 or 49 or something. I mean, the ball was in the Rams hands the most, but we, we won the turnover battle. And if we can win the turnover battle um, and then score some big plays, you know, we don't necessarily need to hold the ball the whole time, but those numbers are scare me when we don't hold the ball that long and we don't have that many plays, but turnovers were key and we won the battle against the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Two, two quick comments. So the, the time of possession can be distorted when you score on long plays. Yep. You, right. you, know, you, you had the ball for 36 seconds, but you scored a touchdown like the Debo play. Um, and then the other thing is, um, D'Amico Ryans, our defensive coordinator, who will be a head coach somewhere next year. For sure. He wants the defense to get three or four turnovers a game. That's what he's told them he expects. Now, that hasn't happened yet. There was one game we had three, but um, he wants turnovers. So um, that's, you know. That's awesome. I love it. I love that focus. It's a ball focus. It's all about grabbing that pink skin. It's the pink skin. You own yeah. the pink skin, you get it across the line, you get points. I mean, that's the bottom line. So go after that pink skin. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's transition over to um, Panthers week, Carolina Panthers. Okay. So game is uh, on, on Sunday. It's, it kicks off at 105 Pacific, obviously at 4, 405 Eastern um weather looking pretty good uh you know sunny day and you know 66 beautiful football football weather san francisco right now is favored by six and a half points over and under set at 39 um all time carolina leads the series 13 to 9 but i think that the niners are gonna are going to take this one for i think a variety of the reasons that we just talked about um so let's break down the Panthers a little bit. Grandpa, what are some of the Panthers' strengths and weaknesses? Well, Carolina on offense, uh, they, they, they're not very good. They're, Weakness. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be polite here. They're terrible. Um, so they got Baker Mayfield, you know, from Cleveland playing quarterback. They do have Christian McCaffrey, who is a tough runner um, and receiver. But Carolina on offense, their passing game is ranked 30th, which is last. They, they generate about 166 yards a game um, passing. And running, they're ranked 24th. So they don't have a good running game. They don't have a good passing game. And Baker Mayfield has been terrible. They want the fans are asking to remove him, but Sam Darnold is not ready still hurt so um they haven't you know they've played four games they've played they generally score in the teens yep. um, so yeah on offense they're they're really weak 
On defense, they're um, 25th against the run. Um, they're giving up 134 yards a game. And their pass defense is decent. They're ranked 12th. So I always look at that and kind of think, okay, that's what the coaches look at. And that's how they design the game plan to go towards the opponent's weakness. Um, so this tells me that we're going to run the football. Yeah. And one thing that jumped out at me and Kyle Shanahan mentioned it in his presser is that you know, he thinks that the Panthers easily could have been a 4-0 team right now um, just by the way of the turnover margin or turnover battle, that they won the turnover battle three of those four games, which really means that their, defense, that their offense didn't convert on those, uh, those turnovers. Uh, but I think, you know, we, we just talked about it, and Dad, you just mentioned it, that turnover battle is going to be huge, I think, in this game. That's where we are going to make up the difference and if we can uh, match the amount of turnovers that they force, uh, if not win it, I think we're going to be in a really good, really good spot because our defense is going to stop them. I, I, I am very confident in that, and my my game score prediction will will reflect will reflect that. Uh, but that turnover battle is something to watch. Yeah, I I think so. In fact, I think yeah that they, yeah I was going to put up that same kind of thing. I think Carolina. Um, is uh, the toughest part of this game is we're traveling across the country and we're on a little bit of a shorter week, you know, just because of the Monday night game. So those kinds of things kind of uh, usually put a little pressure on the team that's traveling on a short week like that. So, um, but I think our, our defense is going to match up beautifully. It'll be a great uh, game to to try and move the ball and kind of get it moving um, and just get some more reps and uh, get some more uh, synchronization as Josh pointed out earlier. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. I don't know much about the Panthers um, other than we got uh, uh, McCaffrey and uh, Baker Mayfield who uh, uh, I, yeah, he, I've never been a big fan of his. So, um, I think uh, it's going to be fun, a fun game to watch. So they're starting at, at <clears throat> one o'clock our time, which is four o'clock in the East. And that's unusual. Usually in the East, we're playing at 10 a.m. So um, <laughs> we have a few more hours, but um, and then the team is staying um, back East for the week between the Carolina game and the Atlanta game. And they're staying in West Virginia at the Greenbrier Resort, as they've stayed a couple of times in prior years. So um, that's just to get acclimated to the time zone, because this, it, you're, you're right, Jared, this is a short week. And, you know, we're traveling three, three time zones. So, um, yeah, I'm glad the game is a little later. Yeah, no, seriously. And I saw that, too. I actually was expecting an early kickoff. Uh, and was pleased to see that's a 4 p.m. kickoff. I think that's going to help our players because that's, that's I mean, that's 1 p.m. Um, don't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've started games at 1 p.m. Right, that's normal. Disco. So, yeah. I mean, different wake-up times, there is that travel aspect, but it's not like starting a game, yeah, like, like at 10 a.m. That, that's got to mess with the body clock. Um, but so I'm stoked about that. Yeah. 
Um, looking more at the Panthers stats, you know, it's it's fascinating. You know, Baker's only thrown four touchdown passes through four games. His completion percentage is 55%. He's thrown, um, you know, against the T four TDs, three picks. Uh, so he's he's not playing good football. And I think, you know, he he they have some pretty good receivers. DJ Moore is a legit receiver. Robbie Anderson, also a legit receiver. They, both of them on the year, have 13 catches, 12 catches, 138 yards, one, 174, uh, and each only have one touchdown. So they, they're struggling on offense, kind of like what we expected and we did see with uh, – with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, they're trying to still trying to find their identity and work the, these new quarterbacks into the system and, and uh, you know, make it work. Uh, and we were able to stop the Broncos besides that last drive, whatever. Um, but we were able to stop them. And I think we're going to be able to stop these guys. Yeah, I agree. We want to go on the road and get two wins and come home four and two. Yeah. All right, let's do some game score predictions. Uh, what do you guys think? What do you what do you think is going to be the final score? I say Niners win 28-13. 28-13. Okay, so 15-point differential. Yeah. Okay. Dad, what do you think? I'm going to say 24-10, Niners will win. Okay, awesome. I, I'm going to be, once again, kind of close to you, Dad. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 21 to 10. Mm -hmm. uh, little, little low scoring, I think we're, we're going to possess the ball grandpa mentioned running the football so i think it's gonna be some longer sustained drives uh and i mean i hope we win 28 to 10 but i would be surprised if the panthers score more than 14 points um knock on wood of course but i think it's going to be a somewhat low scoring game so i definitely take the under uh but also um, i think the the niners are going to cover and win by more than six and a half Okay, I like it. No, I like yeah, we just got to win that take uh, the takeaways, you know, the turnovers, and that is it's going to be a fun stat to watch because that is so indicative of of the league in general. Um, um, but that is the edge that Niners, uh, the little edge is going to make all the difference. Uh, be uh, just to even out the game and to put us in the win category is takeaways and turnovers. Um, cause I think Jimmy will, will manage the game. Well, we'll run the ball well enough. Um, but to get the little bit extra possessions and opportunities is going to be on takeaways. Yeah. And I will say, you know, as far as like all the, the players on the Niners and kind of who to, who to look out for, um, Jeff Wilson, I think is going to get a lot of carries. I think he's going to do well. Uh, I also, I'm very intrigued, you know, we're pretty banged up at the running back position. But as we mentioned, I think the first podcast or maybe the second uh, is the, the grab you have to remind me his name. Is it Mason, uh, Jordan Mason? Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of, there's kind of some quiet hype behind him. And I hope we see him in this game. I think he's going to, this has the potential to be a breakout game for Jordan Mason. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that, Kyle Shanahan and his father, even before Mike Shanahan, they always would draft or sign these free agents, <clears throat> low picks or free agents, and the guy would gain a thousand yards. So it's the system. And, um, and the Niners have kind of done the same thing in recent years. We've had 
all these different guys lead the team in rushing in different years. And here we go again, you know, it's, um, so yeah, that, but one thing the Shanahan's insist on is you do not turn the ball over, do not fumble. And they, when people have fumbled, they, they come out. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see Mason. I think that's the, the weakness. The biggest weakness of Carolina is their run defense. So we're going to run the football and, uh, Mason will get some carries. Yeah. Run to set up the pass. Would love to see it. Yeah. Huge. Awesome. Well, should be a good one. Um, as always, we like to end uh, these, these episodes with the story from Grandpa Mike and his personal experiences. Um, I, I really like this one. And he's not wearing his jersey today. Number 39, Hugh McElhenney wearing the Debo Samuel. It can't go wrong there, Grandpa. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Deion Sanders. Um, Dad's wearing his his Fred Warner. We're all looking Fred fresh. Right here. There looking, you go. <laughs> looking looking fresh. Debo. Uh, Debo. Debo. Um, but but yeah, Grandpa, um, tell us a little bit more about Hugh McElhenney and kind of um, okay. your fandom. So Hugh McElhenney, um, many of our listeners probably have never heard his name. He played for the 49ers in the 1950s. And he was spectacular. Um, I don't think he's ever gotten his due. Um, he, you know, um, Walter Payton and um, Barry Sanders, like he, he was very elusive. He was just a very exciting runner. Um, the def the tacklers would go, and it was like a, tackling a ghost. He was there and then he wasn't there and they just come up with air. So anyway, um, just a little bit, I put some notes together. So Hugh McElhenney was to pro football in the 1950s in the early 60s, what Elvis Presley was to rock and roll. <laughs> okay, fact, that's a fact. He was just, they called him the king, like King James. And wow. um, um, he was known as the king, Frankie Albert, the 49ers very first quarterback named him the king because he returned punts he returned kickoffs he was a great receiver and a fabulous runner um he went to the university of washington he was an all-american he set a bunch of records in college he was the first round draft pick of the 49ers in 1952 um he was the ninth overall pick and he made an immediate impression. I mean, right away, he, as a rookie, he returned a punt 86, 86 yards, and he had a run from scrimmage of 94 yards. And just, you know, weaving his way through these guys, it was very, he was just exciting. His, um, he averaged seven yards a carry, and he was a member of, you know, some of you've heard of the million dollar backfield and the million dollar backfield today doesn't sound like much, but in the fifties, um, these guys, what do you think they made in the fifties? Salary. Yeah. 10,000 a year. I don't know. Well, yeah. In nine, I don't know what they made actually in 19, in the fifties, but in the sixties, in 1968, the first union contract was signed and rookies made 9,000 okay. veterans made 10,000. 
<laughs> Whoopee. Okay, so in the 50s, it was less than that. And they were known as the Million Dollar Backfield. All four members, Y.A. Tittle, Joe Perry, John Henry Johnson, and Hugh McElhenney are in the Hall of Fame. It was incredible. Um, so he averaged seven yards a carry. Um, he's considered by many as the greatest thrill runner ever. Um, and he just really gave you thrills. The <clears throat> reporters, when they wrote their stories, they tried to use all these superlatives and everything. And, you know, they just couldn't come up with the right words. I'm having trouble describing him. He was phenomenal. Um, just so much fun. And he wore number 39. So later when I played football, he was my idol. I picked number 39 for you, McElhenney. Um, and let's see, he, when he retired after the 64 season, he was one of three players to uh, gain over 11,000 all-purpose yards. So at the time he retired, he was the third greatest um, yardage guy ever. And the league started in 1920. So, um, and the other two guys were? I wish I knew. It's going to ring a bell, but I can't, it's not on the top of my head. So Jim Brown and yeah. Lenny Moore. Yeah. Jim Brown played for Cleveland. He was unstoppable, phenomenal power runner. Lenny Moore was very elusive from Penn State. So they had, so the three of them had over 11,000 yards. So that was, um, and 11,000 yards is over six miles. I mean, it's a long, it's a long ways. So anyway, he was phenomenal. And one of the reasons I wanted to pay tribute to you, McElhenney, um, tonight was he passed away a couple of months ago. And um, I don't know if, Oh, the, a lot of the fans have noticed, but there's a sticker on the back of all the players' helmets, number 39. And that's to um, a tribute to you, McElhenney. So very cool. Phenomenal player. Phenomenal. I lo I'd love to hear that. I got to see if we can pull up some, some highlights of Hugh McElhenney and, and watch those. Um, one thing that I think that the Niners do really well, and players have you mentioned this, uh, especially since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have teamed up and kind of, you know, been leading us for the last five years is, uh, bringing kind of the legacy of the 49ers to the, to the forefront and having that kind of be proud to be a Niner, um, proud to be kind of part of the 49er family, <laughs> 49er family, uh, you know, is, is a big deal. And a lot of player, even uh, alum or kind of former players, of of the Niners have mentioned that and that means a lot to them that they're right. not just trying to erase history and be a new team but really stand on the shoulders of giants and and uh and learn from you know the team and you see Steve Young and Jerry Rice really are around the team a lot more than you used to which yeah. is which is really cool it is it is we can't forget the past and where we came from um there is a 49er Alumni Association, which Keena Turner heads up now. It used to be R.C. Owens. Um, and so they bring players every game, uh, alumni players. So they, yeah, they, they work hard at keeping it together. Um, I'm always shocked. You know, I have this vision of you, McElhenney, just 
good looking guy and he was phenomenal football player. And then you don't see him for years. Right. All of a sudden he passes away and there's a picture of him and you go, that's you, McElhenney? <laughs> we do age. So um, anyway, uh, you see these old timers come back and, you know, they've gained weight and stuff, but they're, they, they give you so many thrills. You're just, you know, so happy to see them. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of 49ers Family. I uh, appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, once again, uh, we still have yet to receive any hot takes or emails. Actually, no, we did get one, one email. Shout out to Max Downing um, and, and Wes, uh, Grandma's friend Wes, for, for, for the good feedback and the reviews. Um, you know, feel free to please, you know, subscribe, follow us on Apple Podcasts so you get notified when the new episode comes out. And yeah, if you have any emails, uh, any feedback, questions, hot takes, email them to 49ersfamilypodcast at gmail.com, 49erfamily uh, with 49ers, uh, familypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Until next time. Go Niners. Go, go Niners. Niners. Woohoo. <laughs>